I am your host, Carrie Scollin, giving us different perspectives on where we are and where we want to go on our journey. Thanks for being here, and I look forward to spending some time with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of the Founder Series. I'm your host, Carrie Scollin. We are here uh, speaking about an uh, incredibly important topic, and I have somebody on who I uh, admire and I respect uh, so much for what she's done for a community of thousands of women. I'm going to uh, introduce her in just a moment. First thing I would like to say is one of her biggest missions really is to bridge the gap uh, she saw there was a gap with women's health when it came to perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and the lack of um, quality information and education. And she's here to help bridge that gap for us from her own experience and um, the experts that she's had on to help us so much. So Shirley Weir, thank you so much for being here. And for, she is the founder of the menopausechicks.com and a group on Facebook that I highly recommend. I've recommended to many women, but (laughs) any of you watching, please check it out. So uh, Shirley, welcome, take it away. And thank you for being here. Thanks. What do you want me to take away? Ah, take away, take away. <laughs> You've got so much information. I, I hope we can get it as much as we can in, in the 30 minutes that we yeah, have. Absolutely. So I do host an online community on Facebook at menopausechickscommunity.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really believe that it's an honor and a privilege for me to do this work at this time. We were just chatting a few minutes ago about, you know, what, what do women want? What, what do your listeners actually want to hear? And there's kind of two paths that are really uh, possible for us to go down. I mean, 77% of women have questions about their health. Like that number is huge huge right and my fear is that there's uh too many women who are suffering in silence or maybe afraid to ask or you know what the statistic that really bothers me uh carrie is that um i think it was the last survey we did over 80 percent of our members said they had no one to talk to about perimenopause menopause and postmenopause so we're really like it's 2022, but we're living in a time where there's still a lot of lack of quality information, fear, uh, shame even about yeah. bringing up certain topics. So that's what I do all day, every day. And then the other thing that I love to do is, you know, the, the tagline for menopause checks is cracking open the conversation, but I started that 10 years ago. And I found that really what we need to do is change the conversation, because how we talk about these topics, um, in some ways, it's preventing women from getting the healthcare that they need and that they deserve. So, so is, are you talking about just the, um, like the, really the stigma and the box that we're put in when, when people say, oh, she's just going through menopause. Oh, she's menopausal. 
Yeah, I love that you use the word stigma. I mean, there's myths, misconceptions, stereotypes, stigma, there's gaslighting. Um, there, I live in, in Port Moody, British Columbia. We, the BC Women's Health Foundation did a really important survey a couple years ago that showed that women, I'm 55, by the way, women in my age category, over 59% of them leave their doctor's appointment feeling dismissed or disappointed. And the top two reasons for why they made that doctor's appointment in the first place had to do with menstruation or menopause. Wow. So, you know, when we talk about like sort of at the 30,000 foot level, like what's happening with women's midlife health, what's happening is we've all been told at a really young age that we should expect to suffer. That period pain, pregnancy hurts, delivering a baby is not that pleasant. Like we're told, we're fed all these messages and it's even more paramount um, when we get to this thing called menopause. And you and I know, you know, menopause is just one day, but it's definitely um, bridges years of transition and changes to our hormone health that nobody tells us about. Um, you know, we learn, like we jump in a car and we know what the gas pedal's for and what the brake pedal's for. And hopefully a little bit more when we're running a, a piece of machinery like that. But yet I speak with women every single day that really don't even understand the roles of our hormones and particularly what happens when we don't make them at the same quantity or quality anymore. So yeah, no kidding. It, and, and from my understanding of it was, and um, I think many was that it's a natural, it's a natural thing for our body to go through. You, you just got to kind of suffer through it. You're going to get through it. It's going to be fine, but there are things that we can do to help because we shouldn't have to suffer. Right. Yeah. And what you're saying is true and it's very nuanced, but I'm going to add a couple of layers to what you just said about it is quite natural. It's natural for us to reach puberty and start our reproductive years. And it is, I don't use the word natural all that much. It is quite natural for reproduction to end. Right. But the two things that come to mind that are really unnatural is the levels of stress that exist with women aged 35 to 55 and beyond are unprecedented. Like there has never been a generation that has endured the amount of stress that we have. And, you know, I say that and then I think, oh, well, what about the cave women who had to like wait for their man to bring in the meat? Like, okay, that was probably stressful, but it's equally important that we address how women are holding up the world right now. And, you know, we're holding down full-time jobs. We're taking the primary family caregivers and we're looking after aging parents at rates that previous generations never saw. So that stress is number one. Number two, when we talk about natural, when our bodies were created, women died at age 50. Only a century ago, a 58-year-old woman was elderly. 
now 58 year old women are starting businesses running for government, you know, and doing all those other things that, that I just uh, rhymed off. And what we have failed to realize is that we're the first generation of women to turn 50 and have 50 more years to plan for. And not just planning, like, who do we want in our life as a partner? Who do we, what job or business do we want to start? But actually creating a plan for our heart health, our brain health, our bone health, and our vaginal health. Because those are the things that are going to possibly impact our quality of life for that second 50 years. Right. So you're talking about changing the whole um mindset really around how we view menopause how we talk about it the language we use and being proactive for sure health Um, and a lot from what I can gather is you help women um, know what questions to ask Mm -hmm. right to to help be proactive in their own and be an advocate for their own health so you, you, I know that you deal a lot with that, right? With, with the questions to ask and just the different um, avenues that, that are out there for us, but we have to, we have to explore those, right? I do. I'm a strong advocate for, um, we need to understand not everything, but you have to have, have some fundamental knowledge about how your hormones work. Um, The same way that you have to have some fundamental, you don't have to be a mechanic to drive a car, but you need to have some fundamental knowledge about what needs to happen, right? In order to get there safely. Or another analogy that I will often use is like, come on, we're so smart at hiring tradespeople to work on our home. We know when to call an electrician and what would be a you know a job that we'd be better suited for a plumber. But then when it comes to our health, some of us we just show up at our family physician's office, yeah. you know, thinking, oh, hey doc, I you know I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep, or you know we're not really doing our homework before we walk into that somewhat sometimes ten minute appointment. And, um, I think that we can do a better job not to put all of the onus on women, but we have some responsibility to get informed. And then with that quality of information, we can have really great conversations with our healthcare professionals so that they can be invited onto our team and help support us on this journey Two for two reasons. One, you're not meant, we're not meant to suffer. Some of these things that happen, I I call it back burner health. Women are so good at putting things on the back burner. Oh, I don't sleep as well as I used to. You know, oh, I'll just try to, you know, get by on three to four hours sleep instead of seven. And we're so good at that, but it catches up with us. It caught up with me, right? I used to think I was gifted. Like, honest to God, I'm so embarrassed to tell this story, but I used to wake up at 3.30 every morning and think, gosh, I'm so lucky. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I can work for three, four hours before my kids wake up. Oh my gosh. And I did that until I like hit a wall. And that's why I love to talk about stress, like right off the top, because I don't think I'm the only woman in the world that does crazy stuff like that, or, you know, burns the midnight oil to get the cupcakes ready for school the next day and all that. 
you know, well, I believe, work. I believe even, you know, when my, when my daughters were little, the most important thing for me to make sure that I did my best to try and have a routine was because I value sleep so much. Yeah. Like I love my sleep. So that was a real big transition for me of not getting as much sleep as I'm used to. And the reason that I was so adamant about that was because I really do believe that our body needs to sleep to repair, to, to do all the things that our body needs it to do. And it does it while we're sleeping. So it's going to catch up to us. Did I have a question for you? Yeah. Did anyone tell you that sleep is the very first thing you need to address in order to make progesterone? No, I've never heard that. Right. Never heard. So that. there's the, the connection. I hope your listeners will get, you know, okay. uh, when our cycles are regular, we make estrogen in the first two weeks of our cycle and we make progesterone in the second two weeks. And those two hormones dance perfectly with one another when we're eating well, moving well and sleeping well and managing stress. Right. And so when we put all those things to the side and start going through the drive through you know, missing the exercise, not walking in nature and not sleeping well, progesterone doesn't get a chance to, you know, really do what it does for our bodies, which is support our mood, support our sleep, regulate our bleeding, protect our uterus. And these are like some of the things that we talk about in a masterclass that I teach. And like, that is why I probably talk about sleep hmm, six, seven, eight times a day. Oh, I believe it. I, yeah. I just think it, it's, and I didn't know that coming from the menopause thing. I just right. knew that to me, it came from my mom who really stresses common right. sense. Good. And, and common sense to me was my kids need to sleep. Mm-hmm. I need to sleep. That's what my body needs. And I think a lot of this, like what we had talked about earlier was starting to listen and trust our own intuition and trust our bodies. And, and I think that's a really um, important message that I want to make sure that we don't miss. There's a lot of things that we're not going to be able to pick up that. Yes, we need to be aware of, Um, but tuning in, I think helps tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. But there's yeah, and then we've, you know, we've all grown up to in a society that you know values youth, undervalues aging women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do approach that from a different paradigm shift as well, uh, mostly because it's what I want for myself. It sounds very selfish, but I hear so many great anecdotes from women who are you know, starting new podcasts in post-menopause, who are starting new businesses, who have woke up and decided, hmm, that was nice. I really loved my marriage and the time that I raised my kids, but now I want to try something new yeah. and they're doing it. And it's, I don't know, it's just really, it's motivating for me to hear those stories. So. Oh, I agree. I mean, celebrate. I think, sorry, I'm all, all, all <laughs> here. Um, I, I, I also love that you brought that up too, because menopause it it, ha, it it was such a scary thing for a lot of people i'm finding and i'm post menopause now but i'm finding it is it is like one of the the best times in my life for uh feeling free yeah 
that's probably the best way I can describe it. Um, I've lost a lot of uh, what I worry about Mm. with, and that has freed me up to do the things that I want to do. So I think this next phase of our life can be, and not for everybody, I don't want to put us all in the same, you know, box. It's not as easy for some people as it is for others. So I don't want to um, dismiss women who are really, really in the struggle of where they're at right now. I just want to um, acknowledge that there is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel if we can get a hold of some of these things that are available to us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Right. right. It's, I think, a lot of us think, oh, I can't wait till I can get rid of, you know, my period. I don't want my period anymore. And um, again, it's another nuanced conversation. The longer we have our period, the more we're making those two natural hormones. Right. And the longer we make those two natural hormones, uh, the more that we're investing in our bone health, right? For the next right. three to five decades. So um always two sides. Everyone is unique. Um, I do speak with a lot of women who are suffering um, and we're not meant to suffer. Like that is one of the key messages that you will receive from menopause chicks. Um, And if you are, there's a saying, you know, I I want everyone to write a post-it note that says I deserve to feel amazing. That's what I want to see on everyone's mirror. Um, But sometimes the path towards amazing runs straight through a place called not yet amazing. Like there are some things just like with our houses and cars that break down and that they need attention, right? And we have to learn to listen to those messages from our body. And it might be as simple as, geez, I need to take care of my sleep. Or maybe, you know, these hot flashes are trying to tell me that my hormones want some attention, want some love. And if I do that, I'll be taking care of the now, be taking care of me now, but I'll also be investing in my longer term heart health as an example. So right. really, really well, you important. mentioned you mentioned heart health because yes. heart health is one of the leading uh I don't know, I don't know the right word language. It's the number one, number one reason for premature death in women. Is heart disease and stroke. Yeah. So not breast cancer, like many of us are. Breast cancer is number six, actually. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We don't die from, as a, as a species, we don't die from breast cancer. Wow. It's very treatable, early detection, all that, you know, so I'm not a breast cancer expert by any means. And probably lots of your listeners know way more about it than I do, but, um, you're going from the stats and the facts. If you kind of trace back the marketing messages, the media messages, and even the messages that we've received from the medical community over our last, say, 40 years, right? Yeah. We've all heard about breast cancer. We And the reality is, is that we're going to die from heart disease. So what can I do today? Because yeah. I'm 55. You know, I'd like to see some grandchildren or whatever the future holds for me. Um, And I want to do that in a healthful way. So, yeah. So is that something then um, that I'm sure that you have experts that come in and talk 
about that specific um yeah like, heart pre- like prevention like I don't even know the first thing about heart and stroke and how to prevent it I mean I, I you go to the basics right exercise eat healthy yep. sleep For um sure. but and there may be conversation and have a conversation with your uh health team about what the benefits of hormone therapy might be for you. Um, so there is actually not, I mean, there's not a lot of evidence right now that shows that hormone therapy will prevent a heart attack, but there is evidence that shows that hormone therapy is effective at preventing osteoporosis. There's evidence from the journal of Alzheimer's that, uh, that estrogen plays a key role in preventing dementia. And we know from years of, of evidence is that estrogen plays a role in preventing or treating vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy. Okay. And not enough of us understand how important vaginal health is, um, probably because in many ways, it's one of the last things that can impact a woman's health. So she might be experiencing, you know, anxiety, depression, sleep, mood changes in perimenopause. She might experience hot flashes in that last year before menopause. And then once estrogen declines in mm-hmm. postmenopause, that's when we can be faced with things like joint pain, uh, brain fog or memory challenges and vaginal dryness mm-hmm. and vaginal dryness then leads to urinary tract infections, um, and it can lead to incontinence and pelvic organ prolapse. And though, I mean, we talk about things that women don't talk about, or we're afraid to talk about, they seem like very popular conversations that women were like, I must be the only one, you know, that pees when I laugh, cough, or sneeze. I'm here to tell you that is not true. (laughs) happen to a lot of us and there are solutions for it. Um, And so that's a big conversation in menopause chicks. And then when it comes to urinary tract infections, um, like if you don't use vaginal estrogen to keep our pelvic floor healthy, the urethra gets shorter and smaller and is more susceptible to bacteria. And million women will go to the doctor this year to get a prescription for antibiotics because of a UTI that is preventable. Oh my gosh. We still have a lot of work to do. We do have a lot of work to do. You know, you think we've come so far and then you hear things like this, like I've never heard of the vaginal dryness. Mm. Um, And again, for me, it's about communication. It is about the conversations. And I know that a lot of these times we're trying to, to figure this out ourselves. Right. Um, and a lot of us have a partner that are trying to figure it out as well. Totally. So I believe that when I started my process, I made sure that my husband was in on some of the conversations that maybe I was just having in my head. Yeah. I was starting to feel a certain way and I started to get the books and then I would read something. I'm like, my God, Greg, did you know that? And he'd be like, no, I didn't. But it helped him to understand as well, which I just wanted to make a quick point about is our, our partners, if it's male, I mean, if we have a partner, that's a woman, oh my gosh, I can see why that works. Well, (laughs) but they might not have any more information. They may not, but but 
they may have a bit more understanding of what we're going through. So yeah. I'm going from a male female yep. relationship. I just know that they are also going through uncertainty while we're going through it. So I just, I believe it's really important to communicate that with your partner and it's more of a tackling it together rather than feeling so alone. 100%. In um, my book, Mokita, I talk about your building your health team mm. and immediately you can think of that includes your doctor and so on. So, but really who's on your health team. If you think you're at the middle of the wheel, yep. you have your family, your partners. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I do hear from a lot of men. I mean, I mostly work with women, but I hear from a lot of partners who are like, I love my wife partner so much. I can't stand to see what is happening and these changes. How can I be supportive? And um, yeah, it's just an excellent point. And they always want to ask, you know, is there a book for men? And I was like, yeah, like I already wrote it. Like read the same book, same as yeah. you're just describing. Right? Well, exactly. Because you're both learning it. I mean, totally. yes, it's happening it for to the first us, time. but we're both learning it at the same time. And yeah. sisters, friends, like get yes. some of these books, go through it together, have the conversation so you don't feel so yes. alone. Talk and to your mother, talk yes. to your daughters. Yeah, yes. sure. And, 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 and like sons and sons. And sons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got three, three daughters and I want these conversations to, I mean, my, not to my husband's, you know, dismay, but I want these conversations to be around the kitchen table. I don't yeah. want there to be anything that is, I, I don't want to talk about that. That's too private. Yeah. Some things are private. Keep those you know, in a space where my daughter has taught me so much. She just turned 19 and she, she does talk openly with her dad in the room, sometimes to him, but sometimes he's just within listening um, distance. And that I hope is an indication of what the next generation, you know, how they will approach these topics. So I always say it's our, yeah, yes, we can crack open the conversation. They have to carry the torch forward. Yes. And, and I believe I, I love this next generation coming up. I've got 22, 20 and 19. They are proactive in making sure that they take care of themselves. Yeah. We use that word selfish, putting ourselves first. They're all in. Yeah. And I support that. Like be more selfish. I had to learn that when I got into my late forties. So, so I believe that we can learn so much from this next generation coming up. Their conversations are candid. They're honest. They're vulnerable. They, there's no shame in saying, I don't know something. I don't mm. understand something. So I believe that we are, we are going to see a much different uh, generation coming forward, dealing with this kind of stuff. But I also think it starts with us making those conversations available and comfortable. And maybe uncomfortable, which is never a bad thing. No, that's 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 quite true. We need both. But so um, I know that we're going to run out of time. We've (laughs) only got like four more minutes. So how would you want to wrap this up with a nice bow (laughs) saying, here you go. Come join the menopause chicks to get more information. Be prepared before you go to your doctor. Like what you tell me. Yeah. So. Forgive me if this doesn't land with you right away, but please think about it. 
later on today. How I would want to wrap this up is my invitation to everyone listening is to put your own name at the top of the to-do list. Yeah. It starts there. Yeah. Then you can open up to learning, reading, how, you know, attend a masterclass, um, have a more informed conversation with the people you love and with your health team. But none of that happens if your own name isn't up there today, starting today, starting this afternoon, please. Right. Well, and they've started by watching the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank and, you for that. Give, you, give yourself credit, give yourself some grace, give yourself yes. self-compassion that our bodies are going through a major change. Yeah. And, 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 and it takes and, a little bit of work, yeah. but you're worth it. I promise you, you're worth the effort. You, you are worth it. And if you don't get the answers that you're seeking, try somewhere else, find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally, <laughs> but join that, that uh, menopause chicks Facebook group for sure. Um, yeah. There is so much information in that group. You know, the commonly asked questions, you can go to the topic, just type in your topic of, of what you're looking for. You're going to see all these women commenting their experiences or what they did. Um, but there's going to be expert advice on there. Yeah. And I think, I think like Shirley, like you said, you are bridging that gap for education because of the frustration and the overwhelm you felt when you were going through this yourself. Yeah. I mean, we'll never promise that we can take away the myths and misinformation, but I will promise you we have curated the best of the best information and we all deserve that. We do. And if there was, if there was one word that you would like to take out of the vocabulary um, surrounding menopause, I, I know for me, a lot of people say that I feel like I'm going crazy Mm. Um, or, you know, that yeah swear word crazy um we need to be gentler on ourselves with the words that we use don't we it's it's true i mean there's so much energy in words there's even a lot of energy wrapped up in the word menopause and we can't change that but we can change the meaning of the word so one of the most common questions i get asked is is it normal to blank and blank is always suffering. And so my answer is that normal is a setting on your dryer. (laughs) And that's the only time that you're allowed to use it in the menopause chicks community, because you can't put normal in the same sentence as suffering because we're not meant to suffer. Fantastic. I love it. And we are all, we all deserve to feel amazing. So I love that. I hope everybody puts the sticker on their computer. Amazing. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Those of you who are, who are here and joining us for the next 30 minutes, that's amazing. We're going to have some more questions uh, in there. And as you guys know, I want you to know that you are more than enough as is. And I hope to see you next week. Thank you so much, Shirley, for being here. Thank and you. Thank you for, for watching. Bye-bye. Bye.